Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ultra Crew Hub podcast. On this episode, we will be focusing on a topic that does not get a lot of attention, and that is crew mental wellness. Mandy Hansel, ultra runner and crew chief to her husband, had reached out to us on Instagram and asked what other crew teams or crew chiefs do in situations like DNFing, and how to handle these things and all the things that come along with crewing, thus sparking this conversation. We are guided by Danielle Snyder of Interdrive Wellness. Danielle is not only a very accomplished ultra runner herself, but also a mental wellness coach for many athletes ranging from high school athletics to Olympians, just to name a few. We all know crewing any runner is arguably the most difficult part of an event, especially when that runner is a significant other or a very close friend. From getting to the next crew location to making sure you have everything under the sun your runner may need, to staying fueled and hydrated, to staying focused at crucial times when your runner needs the support they need in just that short period of time are some of the things that we will discuss during this conversation. So let's get into it. Um, everybody, welcome to the to the Ultra Crew Up podcast. I appreciate you guys all taking the time to to talk about a topic that was sparked by by Mandy here. She had reached out to us on Instagram. Um, Mandy, if you'd like to jump in and kind of describe your interest in reaching out to us and, and how that all kind of went. Sure. Uh, Mandy Hansel. I'm in uh, Winona, Minnesota. And um, I reached out. Uh, my husband is a winter ultra marathon runner. Well, a foot division, I guess you would say. And um, at one of his races this uh, winter, he wasn't able to finish. And um, I tried to you know, convince him to keep going and things like that. And I, I just wasn't really sure, like, what is the best time to to stop asking or telling him to keep going? Do I, my cat just tipped over my drink. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so anyways, so yeah, so he wasn't able to continue and I was trying to convince him to, con- to, to continue and um, he wasn't able to. But then at the finish line, we were waiting for some friends um, who uh, I was with their spouses and they were both able to finish. And we just kind of ch- chatted a little bit about, you know, what what do you say to them, you know, when they decide they want to drop? Um, is it is it appropriate to to continue to try to prod them to keep going or do you just um, let them make that decision and stop? Um, one of the wives said, yes, I've been called a dream crusher <laughs> because of what she has said to her husband, you know, when he, when he's going to drop. So it's like, I don't know what to say, what not to say. Um, so that was just kind of the discussion I thought would be, a, would it be an interesting one to have? Yeah, we appreciate you reaching out to us because that was something that as a runner and, and digging into the crew thing, we never really thought of until you actually sparked that idea. And then through that, I reached out to to Danielle um, via the Free Trail family, which I'm part of and, and we're proud to support. So Danielle, if you want to give a little bio on yourself and, and then we can get to Nora. Sure. Hi. I'm Danielle Snyder. My educational background is in licensed, well, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and um, a therapist. And I have been involved in the sport, wow, since I was maybe not ultra running, but um, I've been running since I was 13. And then I got involved in ultra running probably last like 
15 years or something. Um, and I decided to build my practice around mindset and better understanding how athletes who are pushed mm-hmm. to their limits are like and the cons of that. And then also how to manage it and how to reframe narratives and how to overcome mental barriers. With this in mind, I am not actually a proponent of death before DNA. So sometimes when people are talking to me and they're like, oh, you work with the mindset, you're going to help me be tough. And I'm like, no, I'm going to help you embrace the hard times and like find your own true north so you can overcome things. But sometimes you have to make a decision that you're going to run another race. And that can be really hard in the moment when your brain isn't working properly um, and you need your crew to support you. So I talk about all those things with runners, with um crew who kind of whoever and i i work with like kind of a variety of different athletes that's so awesome and thank you for taking the time out to to come on and speak to us about this topic so yeah be a fun conversation and then there's nora we love nora we uh we became really good friends with nora and her husband simon um i met simon at cruel jewel watch all his videos running with simon youtube everybody out there listening Go watch, go listen. Simon's got a great, great content on YouTube and he puts together a lot of good information. And then with with meeting Simon, we met, we met Nora. And it's just been a great friendship ever since. And Nora, we first met at Ure, right? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I really had to try not to wave. I almost wanted to wave too. Um, so <laughs> my name's Nora Einhorn. Um, I am actually also a licensed uh, a social worker. Uh, my background in graduate training started in clinical psychology and then finally sh- and then switched to social work. Um, my background in training, though, is more is pediatric focused. So I'm talking to zero children about ultra running, um, but but absolutely see um, and I'm very curious your thoughts, Danielle, about using our therapeutic approaches um, and evidence based practice in the context of supporting ultra runners. Um, but so that's that's my day job. Um, I've been in the ultra running community and supporting for only a few years, um, just through um, my husband Simon, um, and I've just dabbled a bit in the crewing, pacing, and running of them myself. Um, and so happy to speak from multiple perspectives there. But thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. And then I have, of course, next to me here is is my wife, who's been my crew chief now from from day one from. Wild Duluth up until this past summer with URA. And yeah, there's only been a couple that you've missed out on. So, but anyway, um, we brought this together. We, we really don't have an outline to go off of. We just want to speak from the cruise experience. I know Mandy, Nora, and my wife, Jor, will have some good information um, to for Danielle to kind of pick off of and maybe we'll just you know dig into the nuts and bolts of it and really see where things kind of go well i guess i want to start off by saying um mandy i don't know if there's anything that you want to touch base on um to kind of get this ball rolling and danielle maybe you um have something as well but i know from uh, a crew standpoint we don't really think about our mental toughness in that sense we just kind of get to the race and we have those nerves for our runner um and as they kind of that gun goes off our next mindset is 
how do we get to the next, you know, and then how do we get to the next and then the night falls and then that's where our panic kind of sets in. And that's where usually a lot of those DNFs start. Um, and so I don't know if there's anything that um, really, well, I guess I just don't think about our mental toughness. I've never really thought about it in the sense we've had one incident and he's DNF'd once, which I think everybody has to, <laughs> to in the sense of because we've learned from that sense, mentally, physically, just in the sense of um, we're never doing that again. So, and if you do, if you do DNF, usually it's from a physical ailment or mentally. I think those are the two, obviously, check points that you get to. But um, I, I guess it is a huge uh, culprit for this because with Mogion, we both looked at each other and we were like, "You're done. I'm done. Great." But then two hours later, we were like. We exactly. And you kind of have that moment where you're like, I shoulda, woulda, coulda. So I think when you get to that point, like Mandy, like your experience, like at what point do you just say like, buck up, are you okay? Or suck it up, buttercup kind of thing. So I don't know, Mandy, if there's something that you want to pinpoint on with this conversation and just kind of go from there. If you have any questions for Danielle and even Nora, I mean, Nora almost cruise once a month. <laughs> well, I just, I wanted to jump in and just say that I, as someone who has run countless 100 milers and longer, and then also been crew, I actually think crewing is harder. So like for a 100 miler, I am training, I am putting in the time, I just need to get to my group. Like that is it. And I'm, I'm prepared because I've had all these months of training, whereas crew... Like you're thrown into it. There's a lot of high pressure. And sometimes runners aren't always nice <laughs> when they're like coming in. It's not even that like they're not trying to be nice. But as someone who's run many miles alone in the woods, you get to this like crew spot and people are like asking all these questions and you're stressed out. And it feels like every minute counts when it really doesn't. I mean, most of the time in the hundreds, like a minute here or there is not really going to impact your race. And so I always give that feedback to my crew or to people who are about to crew. Like it's hard. It's exhausting. You will probably sleep less <laughs> or like you'll not sleep either. Um, and so I, I just like to throw that out there for <laughs> crew. Your job is yeah, and you hear that from a lot of runners. Just even the professional runners is like, I'd rather be running because this course is marked. We've got ribbons. I'm following the person in front of me. So I think that you just kind of click off and run. And you know they have their own mental struggles as well. Um, but I guess Danielle and Nora and and Mandy as well. You guys, we don't ever sit at the starting line and think like all right, this is what we're going to do mentally. This is what we're going to do physically. This is what we're going to do. You know, we don't we don't check any boxes. They just go and do it. So I don't know if maybe through this podcast we could find um, some. Is there a starting point from, from a mental toughness perspective for a crew beginning a race or even pre-race days before, maybe a week or two before talking with your runner? I met a kid at the year A100 this last year 
who I think it was his first hundred miler, maybe his second. He's from Texas and he had his mom there who was his crew for his first time at the year a 100. And that's, that's a tough one to crew. It's, it's easy to crew from the perspective of getting to locations, but it's hard on the runner and it's hard, it's hard on crew. Yeah. And not to mention he was running in his TAMs for the first time. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah. So with that said, I guess, yeah, Danielle, what is there like, is there some, is there a process or is there something that you guys do for, um, I guess when runners get to that point or do you have any insight for, I guess, crew who get to the point at like, yeah, you know, are you done? I'm done. Or is, I guess it, it, it all ends with the, it starts with the runner. I get that. Like Simon, Simon, I know is like from start to finish, almost like a robot. And I know Nora probably sees darker sides than what we see on YouTube or just even through the stages of races. Um, but, it, you know, it all starts with the runner as well. Like you're in it, you're starting this, we're getting this done. And um, I don't know, I guess. Yeah, start from the first, even before the race. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Actually, I want to step back and not monopolize this conversation. Mandy or Nora, if you have thoughts before I... No, I love to hear what you have to say. I'll... Then I'll take it away. Okay. Yeah, and we'll it's not been. This is a completely... Yeah, yeah, I would love. Um, I, and I am kind of, I would say, more of a type A, a type of person, but I have okay. a spreadsheet anything i try to make it as little work as possible for my crew so what i need at the and it changes but for the most part i'm like because i don't know how fast i'm gonna run like if it's a muddy race it looks different but like here are the the reasons that i would drop like i actually say this here are the things that you should be asking Mm. me here are the um here are the things that i need here's what i need you to do during the race, like take care of yourself. So like any given that crisis happened, but anything that there is a question about, we meet and we talk about it beforehand. So then when it, it doesn't make DNF easier, but then there's like, there's like kind of a checklist system. So like, are you eating and drinking? When's the last time you peed? How are you mentally doing? Like, and so then there's, I kind of like look at it as a tree and it's like, okay, yes, no, yes, no. And so then I don't put it on the crew to make that choice for me because yes, you need crew and crew can really help. But I am a firm believer that I need, if I miss a crew stop because I beat them or they get lost, I need to be able to finish mm-hmm. the race myself or I need, I need to be able to rely on myself without a pacer because yeah. it happens. Absolutely. <laughs> Am I allowed to swear? Okay. So there's like no mystery to it. That is easier with a hundred milers than like the two hundred milers. But I I think like especially if you have never run these distances before, it's an un uh I don't even want to say unfair, but it's a really, really big ask to be like, you decide if I need to DNF. Unless someone is not able to take care of themselves. And then as a crew, you do have to step in and say, hey, you haven't eaten or drank 
and we're concerned about you. You're like, your color is off. And so I guess that's, I start before the race planning these things. So then it's never like a, hey, Mandy, yeah. <laughs> do you think I should drop? <laughs> yeah, my husband is a spreadsheet guy too. Like, so he has spreadsheets. He has developed a spreadsheet where I put in like when he arrives and leaves the aid station and it will calculate, yeah. you know, when he'll be at the next aid station, which is very helpful for me because then I don't have to. Yeah guess about when he's going to be there and and of course like you said shit happens so sometimes he doesn't make there at the at that time and so then you're sitting there longer but um yeah i mean we we go through that spreadsheet before every race to make sure um i understand everything on it and um and he i don't know that we've ever had that discussion though like what should i ask you um when it gets to that point of where you feel you might want to drop, what are the questions I should ask you? Like, um, other than, so have you eaten, you know, have you peed? I mean, those are kind of physical things. Are there mental mm -hmm. questions, you know, that we should be asking them as well? Well, I guess, like, I mean, one thing I'd love to add is to this, because um, I agree with the pre-planning is really essential. It could be spreadsheets, but I think one thing that's really core to pre-planning outside of at what point will it be really challenging and what will I need from weather to fuel, et cetera, um, and predicting when it might be more challenging and other types of need, when I might need a pacer, et cetera. Um, a, part, a huge part of the planning, I think, for us, although Simon is just my autopilot at this point, he races every month. Um it is like what's our like people ask what's the why but like beyond the why like what is the goal because the goal can change depending on the race and like very often for simon goal number one is not to get injured goal number two is to finish that's like the that's the step and then goal number three is to like have fun enjoy the beauty meet people like that's the like but that's like the hierarchy you're sort of working with but for me i know from some of the races i've done i'd like actually my goal number one is to have fun and if it's not fun anymore i'm okay dropping mm -hmm. Um, that's like, I just want to see some really, really beautiful stuff. I think it right here, I'll see how I'm like, I think it's actually really good to plan out what exactly is your goal? Because it can like, while it's so easy to just like operationalize, well, finishing is very like mm -hmm. measurable. Um, there are other goals you might have. And let, let's think about what exactly are those goals within this race and how are we meeting those in other ways? Um, and then, so that would be a part of like the pre-planning. Um, because I think part of those are also things you'd want to be reminded of and be thinking about and be pointing out during the race, too, when things get hard. So, like, Mandy, even to your question about, like, what questions should I be asking? I think, like, Danielle, like, I'd love the, I think it's really critical to understand, like, ask a question that's medical and, like, safety-based versus, like, like, exhausted, like, appropriately emotionally fatigued. But, like, that's different than, like, your urine's a bad color um or you're like hobbling um like right, those are like um, um, medical emergency stuff versus or urgency stuff versus um like just appropriate emotional and mental fatigue um and exhaustion same word sorry um but uh instead of like but like asking questions can also be really tiring for the runner right mm -hmm. you ask a whole bunch of questions to the runner like they're like just stop everything hurts don't ask me like like, so I'm going to be mindful of like the question fatigue also for our runners. So instead of like just asking a series of questions to, to prepare and consider, but also consider what are the things you want to just be saying of encouragement or do you want to be reminding them about like the certain goals that they had 
or the things that they've seen or like what they've accomplished or what are like specificities of statements and like of encouragement versus just questions and needing something from the runner. I, and I think that's a really good point. So when I'm asking, first of all, like evaluating the situation, which I know sounds really clinical, but that is like if someone comes in and they like look fine, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to ask those questions. I'm just going to be like, you look good. Let's go. You look strong. Get out of your way. But if, you know, like you're saying, you give, never ask like an open-ended question. So you give those two choices. What color is your there's only one answer or have you been eating yes or no or you can even like look in their pack so it can be through observation but one of the things that I loved Nora saying is that you need to know that person's goals beforehand because I'm very similar I'm not going to die in a course I'm always thinking like my health is number one and so if I'm limping I want my crew to say hey you're limping what's up Versus like, I crew some people who are like, ignore me. Wow. And so really know, knowing your audience is important because certain people are going to finish no matter what. And you got to know getting yourself into that, that that's their values and their goal system. And if you can't be on board with that, I have said no to turning down certain people crewing because I know I'm not going to be good for them. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> I'm complete opposite where I don't have a spreadsheet, I start and I'm like, I'll see in about six. And then I know I should probably be there in about six to seven. So she's not too worried about me. So that brings me to a question for the people that do have the spreadsheets enter the times like Mandy's husband and whatnot. If you're crewing that person, like what, and, and how do you feel and how do you react if they're not there within that time that they've given you on that spreadsheet, does that give you a little bit of anxiety or or something to, you know, wondering, are they okay? Well, you know, what's going on? And, and how would you deal with that? I actually feel um, I'm more anxious about when he arrives too early, you know, because that means yeah, that he's not... He's not following the plan that he had mm -hmm. and he's going way too fast. And so that worries me more than if he's maybe not 10 minutes after whatever he's going to be there. And just for the record, like I don't okay. put times on my spreadsheet because I possible to predict. I put everything else down, but like, I, I, I mean, who yeah. knows? Like, it's really hard, but... You know, I think at your A, I accrued there before and I had a runner not come through and it's anxiety provoking because that is like a scary race. And I don't know. I'm not supposed to say this. I don't know how people haven't died during that race. Like it is so it's intense. It's very intense. I've spent a lot of time on that mountain. Man. Yeah. I will. Yeah, not to mention that's, yeah, that's 40. I mean, it takes us, it took him 41 hours. So that was 41 hours of crewing. I've, well, it depends. Um, I think from a mental standpoint from that, I think him and I are both, again, it's to your runner, it's to your crew. And Nora knows us and, and we're just pretty laid back in that sense that like, I don't need a spreadsheet for him because A, he's like mountain man. 
you know, he would hunt for 10 days by himself in these mountains. So that doesn't worry me at all that when he's up in, say, the San Juans by himself, like, I'm just like, great, he's going to come through. Oh, you know, we're about an hour and a half behind. It kicks in a little bit. You know, you see runners from whatever. But I think that's where the mental aspects of just like clicking off that anxiety and being like, we're fine. You know, there's other runners passing him. And, you know, it's the unwritten rule of just the runner etiquette. Like, hey, number 781 is on the side of the road or up here, blah, 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 blah. So um, I think you really kind of click off some things mentally during races as well. I think that's a huge, in in my world when I deal with these races, because that's something, that's a race we're going to do every year. So um, I just think that from that mental aspect, you got to be good at like clicking off those emotions for a little bit when when you're dealing with aid station after aid station. Now, when we get to the point of like in Mogion, he DNF'd. And I think the mental aspect for that was there was none. Like I I didn't channel any sort of like, hit your put your big girl panties on. We're getting out of here. You need to go. So I think. Well, and I was kind of done throwing up for 52 miles or something like that. I was pretty exhausted from just I'm I'm like I'm I'm done losing everything that I've just put down. So well that's what I was getting at is like asking other crew and that was the point of this podcast is like you guys giving your two cents when your runner is like that. You know, Mandy, I'm sure your runner your husband has gotten to you and has just been throwing up or he's gotten to a place of where you're like do we? Do we not? You know, I'm okay if you don't. So I guess, you know, Nora and Danielle, what do you what do you say for crew members who sit there and stand there and watch their runner vomiting and they're looking, you know, they're shaking and they're needing time. And, you know, what do you tell crew in that situation? Uh, I, I can speak to um, like even going back. So Simon, I mean, maybe he has a spreadsheet. I haven't seen it. Um, I use my notes app on my phone for some like the longer races where I need to know at certain places. But I do, I but I do get concerned if there's cutoffs and he's getting close. Like that, that's like so. Lead bills are the only time I've been concerned about time. Um, but like that plus any of the other, like I am absolutely just more of an anxious person. Simon will agree. I get super nervous for him, and I know him super well, and I trust him, and I think he's like, and I know he's going to do a great job. And so I think some of the strategies that I use just to sort of manage whether you're concerned about timing, whether you're concerned about like, oh, it looks like a bad cloud on that like like mountain that they just went up on, you know, whatever. I actually use like the community around me to really help me out. Like that's like I find that to be incredibly helpful is um, to like lean on the people around, like just to talk about it out loud. That feels really helpful for me. And like, just like, like that we're all holding space, like, yeah, they're like in it right now together. But like, that's a reminder that like you as crew have community as well as the runners out there typically have some degree of community as well that are like sharing in the challenge together. Um, so I, that's one way sort of, I, I manage like some of the, some of the anxiety piece stuff. But I think no matter what, and very curious, Daniel, your perspective on this, I don't know if I'm doing this right. But when I have a runner coming in, I mean, so Simon or someone else that's like really, really low, um, I think I try to do two things, which is like first validate, but then very quickly go back to like just super pot, like positive, hopeful, um, like and like we're doing it. Um, like try, like I want to say like that's like oh that's hard, and look at you still going. 
um like that like 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 there's on video of someone vomiting right like at the crew station like with me just like and I'm like like I think I look to my friend and I'm like just like wincing but I'm like it's time like let's keep going (laughs) like I think like a lot of what she might this is just and it's not being like overly positive, like everything is fine. Like you're not, you might not say that, but you're like, and we, we can keep going like this and this, this, this is hard and you're doing it and you're, and you're doing great and you look strong. A lot of these plans um, to really like reframe. Um, and so I will, as best as I can, hopefully he can't tell, um, like not present any of the concerns I have to him, but really try to present like, we got this, I got this, you've got this, like we're going and to just like, be that like as much as possible like the stable person and like like that's why i think like they might be like fine but they may be like just drowning and i'm gonna be like you're fine like i'm just calling from the lighthouse you're fine i see you like we're still going through this like we've got this like you like we've got this we're gonna keep going like that's like one thing i say to to simon and and other runners is like hard yes not gonna say like that's not hard but it's hard and you've got this Danielle, I mean, do you have anything top of that for that sense? I mean, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I so I think it's interesting because I definitely tra- trend on the anxious side as a person. Um, and so I think the way I do manage that is having these discussions beforehand. And really putting it onto the runner to make the decision when they are in a sound mind. And so then I always bring it back like, hey, when we had this conversation before, you told me this is what you want. And even if they're saying like, no, 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 I was lying. I'm like, that's what you told me. And for going on or for DNFing, like same, same thing. The really the only time I step in over the runner is if there's safety concern. So like I know people who will run for 100 miles and throw up. I'm going to be really honest that I'm not comfortable with that with my runner. So like if you're throwing up for 50 miles and your pee's black, I'm going to tell you you should drop. You can continue, but I'm going to I'm going to give my opinion. Outside of like medical concerns if it's mental, which is also an okay reason to drop. I think we generally say, oh, you should only drop physical. But you know what? If your values are fun and you're crying for 40 miles, I have an experience like that. When I ran the bear, I cried from mile 20 to 90. I should have just fucking dropped. Like, I was so unhappy. I wish someone had been like, "You're, you're choosing this. Like, stop. Like, who cares? But I didn't have that conversation with anyone. So, you know, they did what they thought was right, which was like finish. And so for me, if it's mental, then I say get to the next date station. We can talk about it there. If you have spent the last 15 miles wanting to drop, then you can drop. And that's an okay choice. But the thing about ultra running is so much is dependent on like taking care of your basic needs. So making sure you're fueling making sure you're properly dressed and making sure your training is there. Glucose is one of the most stabilizing forces that we have. And so if you are not eating your mental fortitude, this is for crew two, is going to be like this. And so, so often when I go and I talk to people about this, they're like, crew hasn't split up. They haven't slept. They haven't 
eaten and you guys are not helpful to the runner if you're not taking care of yourself. You're basically like another runner out there and then then it's useless. And I know that's kind of harsh, but I've said this to my crew before, like, don't bother coming if you're not taking care of yourself, because like, I need you to be my brain. And so, you know, I'm still enough with it that I because I believe that's like an important part of being able to take care of yourself. But like, that's how strongly I believe it matters to have a crew that knows how to take care of themselves. hundred percent. And the confidence to be like you need to and and that's where like crew chiefs or whatever come in and start dictating that you know um mandy i don't know if does you do you have when you crew your husband is it just you i mean do you have um no no, other people with you it's usually just me yeah and a lot of and uh, honestly like he does these ultra winter marathons and we actually can't really crew him so um it's more all I can really do is help him mentally. I can't help him physically. I can't help him give him food. I can't give him any clothes, you know, anything like that. So really my job is really just to be there to be like to help him mentally and and try to help him in that fashion. So that's um, I feel like that's almost harder than, um, you know, if, if he has a foot problem, I want to help him, but I can't. And so that it really it's hard on me to watch him struggle like that. And I can't do anything. Yeah. What do you get out of crew? I love watching him do something that he loves to do. And I mean, like, literally, all I do is I go to the corner and I watch him cross the road. And I just want to, you know, all I do is, you know, great job. You know, I want to support him in um, in this passion that he has. Yeah. I think it'd be really powerful to share that with him too. When you guys are talking about this stuff, like if, if he is at a hard mental spot and he can hear it, I think sometimes it's amazing to be like, wow, like I'm, I'm here because I'm so proud of you and looking to like, I'm like winter running. That sucks. Like, and I think that's like being authentic and honest and, and sometimes saying like, I don't know what to say, but like, I'm so proud of you no matter what. Yeah. But that's like mm-hmm. sometimes what you need. Like you just run through the woods for hours on end and I like go and I look at my sister because she crews me the most. And I'm like, and she's like, you look so shocked. <laughs> I like have puke on my face because I puke. I mean, I rose recent 100. It was not puking for 50 miles. Let me be very clear. But I was really scared to puke during a race. Yeah. And she was like, so strong. You're so brave. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow, I'm strong. Like. I knew I didn't look strong. I am in my hair. Danielle, what I think you bring up, and I don't know if this is anything that like you think about using, but like positive, like like or like positive opposite emotion strategies can be really helpful in like these. So if you're if like literally Mandy, all you got like is like you can work with the mental space. I might play around with like I love Danielle's like like yeah, inform him in some way about how like like this is an inspiring tale and how like like reflecting this this whole experience and because he's just stuck in like it hurts move anything right like whatever the narrative is that he's probably repeating over and over and over again to try to convince himself to stop <laughs> and and to like rationalize that it's okay to stop. Um, like if you shake it up, so you can shake it up mentally by like exactly to Danielle's point, like really like speaking from the heart and like like remind them of something really like loving and loving and positive regard. Um, but you can also do, like really shake up mentally by making them laugh. I don't know. Like, 
I'm not very good at making Simon laugh unless I like do something stupid and then laugh at me. Um, but like, like you could wear a ridiculous outfit ensemble. You could have the silliest sign. You could like there are so many things that we can do to just like it's really hard to be in pain and laugh or like it's like laughing is really, really helpful. So if you can get them to like like if you can just use any of those, like I'm going to like shake up your emotions a little bit and you can go the like soft side, you can show them like whether it's a picture of him as a little kid and like look what that little kid can do and like, you know, like really like you, you can go that like super like adorable sweetness or you can just like. I don't know, like really shake it up and do something. Oh, like the, there was the burger we had for dinner last night. Well done. Way to get that up. <laughs> yeah. No. My my ex used to always say when I'd come to the aid station, he'd say, thanks for coming. <laughs> As I was leaving, it would always make me laugh because I'd be like, fuck you. Like, yeah. I don't want to be here. Thanks for coming. Like, thanks for visiting. But yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and that And that's another thing is like when you match their energy, and I know that for this one, and that's exactly what we did is like we matched each other's negative energy and we were like, and scene. And we closed that book together and walked out. And then we both were like, ah, shoot, we shouldn't have done that. Like one of us had to have stepped up our game. And like you two said, if I would have been like, nope, we're okay. Hey, you know what? You made it this far. We're at 67. You know, the countdown begins. Let's just take this one at a time and just break it down mentally that way. But you know, the po- even when you start talking positively, and I'm sure you do this, Mandy, and I know this podcast isn't really just geared for you in this, for this, this is kind of for everybody. It's just, once you start talking positive, you kind of catch yourself believing it too. Like you've just now convinced yourself everything's great because now you're just trying to convince this man that everything's great or your runner's great. So I think when you get to that point too, is just trying to, trying to find those alternatives for getting him just like another let's just do one more mile let's just three more miles so i think that's just common knowledge when you start crewing is that you just you try to find the little bit of outlets for getting them one more foot closer to that finish line because that finish line is not getting closer unless they get their butt moving so a crew is never responsible for someone dropping like your runner should is a hundred percent responsible for that and I know it really sucks if something happens and like you needed that at that aid station, but crew's trying their best. Like I just, there's no reason in my mind you can ever blame your crew unless something horrible happens. If you get, there's no dream crushers in crewing. <laughs> I don't believe there's yeah. no way. I mean, there are some times where I'm like, well, how did we get to this point? You know, like, yeah, altitude or something like that. That's something you can't control, but never at the end of the day would I ever feel like I was the reason he didn't get to that cross that that finish line so I think that's something you also know that mentally at the end of the race when there is a DNF next to their name it's like I did what I could I'm here to help you you've asked me to help you and this is what I can only do so much unless you want me to grab your hair and pull you down and get you across myself but then there's the DNF right there because now I've you know aided you into that finish line so um I don't know if this was helpful or if you guys have, you know, I thought it was helpful just listening to you guys talk because it's made me feel better in the sense of like even one little liners for our races that we have coming up. And I think crew, some of those crews need to hear that, that they're not the reason that, you know, something's gone wrong. I mean, yes, have I messed up and 
been talking to Nora while my runner comes in and he's looking for me and I'm over here passing out club sodas? Absolutely. hundred percent. Um, but that's mile 27, you know, Hey honey, I'll catch you at the next one. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be better the next one or something along those lines. But, um, I, I guess that's also my personality where I'm like, this is more social hour sometimes for me too, because I have to sit here for the next 12 hours. So I'm going to have a little fun myself. And I think that's allowed in the crew, the crew world is a, and it's it's a hundred percent community at the end of the day. You know, you, I've met so many people um, and I think that's what allows me to keep crewing because I mentally love it because I know I get to meet people and I know I get to see people I've known. So um, that was a, that was a long tangent on the love of this of this sport. But anyways, um, did you have, it's because I could talk about community all day. <laughs> just from the cruise perspective you guys talked about doing something positive for the runner like i know she's done this a couple of times for me while pacing really pumped me up one of the experiences we had was we hawking in ure and that's a that's a steep fast climb and it just goes on forever it seems like and she was so freaking funny going up we hawking had me laughing the whole time even coming down, we were laughing. It was fun. And then even some of the other times coming into the aid station, she jumps out. She knows I'm coming. She jumps out. She starts dancing. So I think that's a big bonus from a runner's perspective. For me, having that excitement or having the crew do something funny and kind of, I wouldn't say intimate, but something that I know she's doing, like Danielle's ex saying. It was a sexy dance. What's that? <laughs> you said it was intimate i said a sexy dance it's just i'm she's shaking it a few times getting me to come into the aid stations but yeah but how exciting is it for crew to see your runner totally in? when your runner comes in it is like so yeah. exciting and exhilarating and it's like new life for i think the runner and the crew team maybe tmi but i think i cried coming into every crew location at your a last year i have no idea why <laughs> i wouldn't as soon as i saw her and hit the crew spot tears and then I would I gotta go gotta go and I would leave and they were fine until I saw them again the next time that is not a TMI that's beautiful you I made you fluster I'm sorry <laughs> no you're totally fine and I've, I've never been an expert in the in the field but I think it's really important to talk about it because I've I started running ultras in 2020 50k jumped into the 100 mile distance and I've always heard a lot of people talk about the mental toughness from the runner's perspective. You know, get through a one foot forward, you know. Other phrases that we hear that are probably trademarked and coined on the market right now from other ultra runners. Um, I don't know if it's copyrighted, but like go one more, things like that, you know. I, I think from the for the crew, I, I really like that you guys talked about rest, food, being positive. And things like that are very important. I've crewed someone who is like a top, top 10. Oh. And that very different than my mm -hmm. experience running ultras where there's like seconds don't count. Like it's fine. Like I can take my sweet time. I mean, I'm, I'm in and out, but like you need to be like yeah. pit stop for that in a different way than ultras. So efficient. Well, yeah, from sure. yeah, I thought, from the front of the pack runners at Western States, I've heard that you have to have like an A and a B crew team because if your runner's that fast, your crew's not getting to the other spot. 
your runner's going to blow right through. So, and we have a friend that was on the crew for Jennifer San Ramon, the last finisher of Western States last year. And that in itself would be mentally challenging from a crew's perspective because not only are you having to get your runner in and out to keep them moving, keep them positive, because there is a cutoff coming and you're chasing it. And I, I love the idea of being positive, telling them how proud you are of them and, and giving them that support is to me pretty important. I do feel like there's like there's a lot of similarities between like whatever you need to do to prepare mentally as a runner and as a crew, to be honest. Like like a lot of things you're naming around like, you know, planning and um like positive mindset or still remaining like optimistic or goal oriented. Um, but I, I think compartmentalizing is such a big part of it. Like you're naming it like like one step at like one step at a time is like a perfect but like getting to the next aid station. Like I think in little moments, people have mentioned compartmentalizing or like breaking it down into segments is a huge part of what you need. Cause I think what's, what's so hard mentally about an ultra, whether you're a crew or pacer um, and definitely have experienced Mandy being the solo crew most of the time. So, so totally feel that when you're, which in any case, like a runner, you might meet people, but you're also alone (laughs) um, in the sport. Um, Like is like, like, the like mentally it's so overwhelming to like conceptualize an ultra marathon like that you're about to run for 24 more out like that's just that's way too overwhelming um for anyone whether that's crewing of 24 to 50 hours like that's like that that like it's hard to even like really up like materialize that in your mind so it, it is i think it is so crucial whether like a crew or a runner to break down what am i sleeping eating what am i resting what am i like it's like just like at, like and that i'm 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 going five more miles and like that's that's all i'm worrying about is the next five miles um like i think that is like so core because also within an ultra you are going like <laughs> no matter how you like maybe you're very good at managing glucose etc and it goes really well but for the most part you're expecting major ups and downs and how are you navigating those really low points and like enjoying those high points um so i think yeah i i feel like i really want to echo like the biggest thing i'm hearing is compartmentalizing and then for crew or runner community um i think that really helps with the mentality and like the persevering and determination so you're a solo crew find other crew um if you're like and if you're running out there like find a runner who's sort of with the pace that you're at so you can share and right. we'll start seeing the same people over and over and over at all these aid stations yes. so yes yeah, so you kind of get to know like the runners yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like the runners so um just to kind of wrap this up, because I think we've covered a lot of good stuff on this. I know personally, I feel like we have. Um, if there's anything else you guys want, Mandy, I don't know if there's anything else you feel like you want to cover in this conversation and um, you know whether or not we touched on the points that you felt that were necessary um, for this conversation. I just didn't know if, you know, I think you have a very different insight for how you know those winter out i don't i've never crewed any of that so i don't know what it's like but at the end of the day i think we all have that same goal of getting our runner through whether it's dirt or snow to that finish line um i think the big thing is that don't take that weight on for any any dnf or 
any, you know, left-hand turns that happen during those races. And that goes for any crew member. Um, you you take that on. I think that's a whole new ball game of um, anger and stuff like that that probably doesn't need to play a part. But I think that's a total no, like normal emotion for going through the the healing process, air quote, healing process of figuring out what to do next. Um, I don't know if Nora or Danielle have any insight for, and maybe I don't know, how did, how did you handle going through those emotions after, you know, the next day after he woke up at 3.30 in the morning mm-hmm. or after he woke up the next day? I don't know if you have any insight for crews that have to deal with that the next morning. Well, I... uh you know, at, by two o'clock in the morning, he'd sworn off running altogether. Like, I I can't do this. I'm never going to run again. So I think I just I let him go through that and have those emotions because I think it's something you have to deal with, right? I mean, you, you just have to let him go through that. And then in the morning, then we kind of talk again about it. Like, you know, this situations happen, things happen. One bad race doesn't make all of your races bad. And so that's a a conversation that we have the next morning. (laughs) Has he signed up for more races? Um, Well, we we have a couple. uh, Fall Superior, we're doing uh, uh, the marathon there. But um, that's about he he's going to leave it open for the year just he's got some health issues he's long haul covid stuff is 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 really eating him down for the last couple of years so in, including his mental health you know not only his physical health but just the the mental part of not being able to finish anything for the last couple of years has been really tough on him and mm-hmm. so for me to support him in that way too is like how do i help mentally get over that like that i'm I, I suck, you know, like <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Um. So that's interesting. And, and Danielle and, and Nora and, and Jory, how would you guys, I mean, it's not just before a race as Mandy's kind of alluded to it. It could be months out. I know when I DNF Mogion, it kind of haunted me for a while. And I think we've talked about it a few times. I mean, I, Actually, I think we've talked about it at every single ultra that I've ran. Who we're not gonna we're not gonna pull a mogi on is kind of the phrase that we use. So, so Danielle and Nora, is that something like advice on or some pointers on you know for the time after and the longevity of having those conversations with that with that significant other? <laughs> so many thoughts, Go Danielle. You've so many thoughts. Go for it. You know, the first thing is, is like, as runners or anyone in life, like we're we're meant to build on experiences. And a lot of times I use something called the 10, 10, 10 rule, which is like, how much is this experience going to impact me in 10 days? How much is it going to impact me in 10 weeks? And how much is it going to impact me in 10 months? And how much is it going to impact me in 10 years? And so the reality is, is like, if you're in this sport or in life, you're going to have disappointments. And it says more about how you respond to the disappointments than it does if you have that not great outcome. So to me, it's like an opportunity to b- build that resiliency muscle, which takes time and energy and effort and honestly is harder than running. 
because you have to learn how to be kind to yourself and be compassionate and understanding and how to bounce back when you fall because that's what makes great runners. We're all going to fall, but it's what you do with it. And it could be for many years. You could be sick and you may not have the experience with running that um, that you want always. And that's that's okay. It shows that you love this sport and that's why you keep doing it. However, if someone is continually struggling with their mental health and coming to their partner a lot, that's when I encourage them to seek professional help because it's setting up their partner to be in a position of trying to support someone with something they're not trained to do. And so I kind of like even, you know, with my friends, like there's a certain line that I will go there with them. And then at a certain point, I'm like, hey, this sounds really impactful to you. And I hate seeing you suffering. Have you considered talking to a therapist? Which I know a lot of people are like running as therapy. I don't agree. Running is running. Running is great. It's an addition to therapy. But sometimes we get hurt and we can't run. <laughs> and so we need someone who can help us like deal with all these challenges that are coming up. Yeah. So I know people disagree with me on that, but I say it anyways. Yeah, I yeah, I agree in a lot of ways, Danielle. I think like the you're right, the first point of like everyone goes through hardships and challenges, whatever it may be. And what's important as like for me as like a partner or a friend, whomever it is, um, is to support them in processing it. Um, like it is through like our trials that we like build wisdom. Um, so I would want to reframe any challenge we have. It's like, yes, it's an opportunity to learn, but it's it's you take you 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 make whatever you make out of that. So it, it's what's what's really cool about the mind is you choose like what the like what that means for you. You you're the one making meaning from whatever outcome happened at that race. Just you. No one else can decide what the meaning is for you. So what kind of meaning do you want to make from that? What kind of meaning is going to align with the values that you have? What kind of meaning is going to help you in the future? What kind of like you decide what the meaning is. Um, and it sounds like that said, sounds like sometimes we can fall into like the meaning is I suck and don't love, don't love when that's the meaning that's unique from it, but it's, it's all too easy. If we blame ourselves or blame, blame other, you know, those are really common ways that we might like struggle with something is how we, who are we blaming on and placing blame. But yeah, how can we have a really nuanced and complex like story or narrative, I think, to Danielle's work about why this happened and what am I taking from this? What are the lessons I'm learning? What are the wisdoms I now hold? And how am I going to use this in the future? So what's really cool is as people, as individuals, as human beings, we decide the meaning we make from things. That's it. Um, and so it can be help, really helpful to give your partner space to, to talk. They're like, well, what did we learn? What, like, you know, what are, what are we taking from this that's really helpful? What was not helpful? What do we want to use in the future? Like, what is this mean about what we're capable of mm -hmm. trying what does this mean about our like adventurism what does this mean about the other things we care about so i think you can support someone in making meaning in that way and empowering someone and like lending to like yeah let's make meaning let's process this um and to danielle's point if someone is like if, if you're seeing symptoms of, of of something that could be more clinical or concerning i wouldn't want to place it on the partner um or friend and would want to make sure that's with someone else but like sometimes I do a, a quick check because it's very it's very okay for someone to say like I stuck um, and yeah. I feel like the worst and <laughs> I don't I 
Um, and versus like repeatedly hearing that day after day and they're not engaging with regular activities and I would refer mm-hmm. them to a therapist. But for like those like first moments of like, I stuck with, you know, I'd be like, you know, I can think of all sorts of reasons why you absolutely don't stop. But I wonder if they can even be heard right now. Like, do we think we can hear them? Um, do you think we're open to hearing them? And it could be like, absolutely fucking not. Like, just like, or like, like, what do you mean? You know, did, like, like I, that is something, a question I use to sort of get, like gauge how open mm-hmm. they are. So like even hearing me challenge them and saying like, Simon, I know like there are so many reasons as to why, like, that's just like, that's just not true. Like that you are this like amazing person that like got to that start line and did all of mm-hmm. that training and saw all of those incredible things and like accomplished so much. Like, remember, and like, it's like on that side sort of observe the reaction mm-hmm. to that because of course those partners and friends, we know they are way more than in one day not being able to complete a race. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, And I think, Nora, you make a really good point. There's a difference between someone saying I suck once in a while to like yeah. rehearsing their DNF three months down the road. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Like, that, thank you for like pointing that out. It's totally normal to be sad and you should feel sad. You put in a lot of energy and effort and you care about this. But like, I don't know, I'm kind of of the mindset if you know, even six weeks down the road, you're still talking about how much you suck and you don't want to get out of bed and you're depressed. Like that's indicative wow. of a bigger picture. I mean, we could talk about this for a while, <laughs> but uh, I just kind of want to close out with some giving everybody an opportunity to give a little bit of final thoughts into this this topic of crew and the, and the the wellness and the mental toughness of of crews and what they could expect or what they could use to go through from their runner and, and help move towards the goal of being a key component of finishing a, an ultra marathon. Okay. I'll start. Um, and this is just my two cents. Again, it's very personality based, um, from your crew, from your runner. Um, but at the end of the day, it, you're trying to do your best, your runners out there with the intention of finishing, and at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out and things were not as planned, we'll move on. We'll be better the next time. And I know there are feelings out there that happens with not finishing that probably won't ever want to be felt again. So I think that was the silver lining for ours um, is that once we we tow that line, we're kind of like we get to that point and we're like, no, 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 no. We're going to get past this mile marker and, and move on. So I think that's um, my two cents is that I, don't, I try not to take on, even though and we're married, so we have that banter, and we can we can s- and look at each other and be like, get it together, like, and don't yell at me, don't you know, don't talk to me that way, kind of thing. So you have that open communication at the end of the day. Yeah, you're you're pissed, but we're we're just gonna be better, for both of us. So that's just that's my insight. Nora, yeah, um, I think like my like summarizing two cents are are like I think to your point like do the pre-work like talk to your runner plan with your runner prepare with your runner really know why are you doing this and what are the goals of the race because you'll go back to that again and again when things are hard as both crew and as a runner um and like really break it down in steps 
I remember that you're like doing this for fun. Like unless you're a professional, like and you're crewing a professional, but like this is a hobby, folks. This is like this is to like because you get to see some beautiful shit and meet wonderful people and push your body to an unbelievable limit. Like you're pushing the boundaries of when people of like people's measure of what is impossible, which is like this isn't a marathon, it's a sprint. It's like this is an ultra marathon, not a marathon. Like this is some like something wildly wonderful that we have the privilege of doing. Um, so for me, that's like a huge like like foundational thing. Like remember why why all of us are doing this, whether you are crew or a runner. Um, but when things become most challenging, remember that you have like agency over like, the meaning that you make of things and lean into your community. And Mandy, what about you? What what do you kind of take from you know your last ultra scene? Yeah, um, I think some good strategies were talked about. Um, I think I realize now that when he comes in to every aid station, I say, how are you doing? I think that's probably not a great opening question to ask. You know, maybe um, it gives him the opportunity to, um, you know, be negative and, and whatnot. So maybe, you know, asking something else or um you know, being the positivity, um, you know, and and maybe joking around a little bit with them just to help him, um, like take his mind kind of off of that um, that the suffering and the pain, I suppose. Totally, kind of flip the switch on him. Mm-hmm. Just remind him. It's kind of a reminder. Yeah, um, Danielle, I'll let you kind of close it out here with your your two cents of mental wellness for crew and things to kind of focus on and what we all could learn from at the end of the day. I wheels are just hurting every time I leave you. (laughs) (laughs) I think that having a crew at your race is such a privilege. And there are so many people out there who don't have people who will just show up for them and like drop everything. It's, like such a commitment and such an ask to have crew to have someone come be your crew and so the main takeaway i have for crew is like you're one of the freaking privilege for me yeah it, it really is like to make that space and to commit that weekend and so you're gonna mess up your runner is gonna mess up your crew is going to mess up and just kind of remembering that everyone is acting the best they can at that time. And that it's kind of amazing that we get these, like Nora was saying, that we get these opportunities to really freaking crazy things in the mountains or the roads or whatever. So I think that's the most important thing. Well, there you have it. We hope this conversation will give crews the additional mental tools that can be utilized when facing the many challenges they may be confronted with during an ultra event. Thank you to Danielle of Interdrive Wellness for taking the time to guide this group through this discussion. For anyone looking for support in this area, Danielle can be found at innerdrivewellness.com as well as freetrail.com. Thank you to Mandy for reaching out to us and sparking this conversation. And a big thank you to Nora for providing the additional context to the discussion. We hope you all find this information useful in your next crewing adventures. If you have any additional feedback or comments, please let us know. You can visit us at ultracrewhub.com and also on IG at ultracrewhub. Thank you for listening.